valley sounds, mountain colors. The poem, valley sounds are the long, broad tongue. Mountain colors, or forms, are no other than the unconditioned body. 84,000 verses are heard throughout the night. What can I say about this at a future time? Or the next morning? Dogen Zenji says, The tongue of the Buddha does not take a break. The colors are beyond coming and going. Are the sounds and colors intimate when they are apparent, or are they intimate when they are obscured? Are they one whole expression or half an expression? In the previous springs and the previous autumns, Dong Po had not seen or heard the mountains and waters, but he saw and heard them for the first time that night. Bodhisattvas who study the way open your minds to mountains flowing and to water not flowing. Dongpo had this awakening soon after he heard Chong Song talk about insentient beings speaking the Dharma, also translated as nature preaching this Dharma. Although Dongpo did not leap when he heard Chong Song's words, towering billows flew into the sky upon hearing, upon, upon his hearing the sounds of the valley. Was it the valley sounds or the tide of awakening that jolted Dongpo? The tongue of the Buddha does not take a break. Kind of a funny colloquial translation. The tongue of the Buddha never ceases, is another translation. What does this mean? What is Dogen Zenji talking about? The tongue of the Buddha never ceases. Our Buddha nature never ceases, it never abandons us, it never disappears. There is no place else for it to go, it can't disappear. It can't cease. It is continually sounding and speaking. Every step we take, the great earth is there. When we push down with our buttocks, when we sit down and push down with our buttocks and push up with the top of our head, the earth pushes back just the right amount to keep us sitting upright. When we lie down, it supports us throughout the night, even though we take it entirely for granted and we never ask its help and we never give it proper thanks. When we lie down to sleep and we walk about, we never think to ask our breath to continue while we are absent in thought, fantasies, or in dreams. Our breath just continues to provide us with life, even though we never ask its help and we never give it proper thanks. The tongue of the Buddha never ceases chanting sutras, even though we are deaf to them, listening, enchanted to the inner dialogue that our mind invents. The Buddha's long, broad tongue continues to chant in infinite voices day and night, even though we seldom join in that chanting. 
or offer our thanks for its infinitely varied and subtle music. The songs of the Buddha's tongue never cease. The colors and forms of the Buddha body are beyond the colors and forms that we are able to see. The songs of the Buddha's tongue are beyond what we can hear. Dogen Zenji asks, are they closer to us when we notice them? Are they closer to us when they are hidden? Is our awareness of the divine, the divine in all the everyday forms, clearer in the daytime? When we're busy and looking right at them, but not seeing them, when we're holding them in our hand, when we're treading on them as we walk? Or is our awareness of the divine in all things clearer when we are sitting still, listening in the dark? Are they one whole or just a part? Dogen Zinji asks us this question. Are they one whole or just a part? When we attend to a part, the whole disappears. When we attend to this small mind, the whole of, of existence fades into the background. When we attend to this small mind, the whole of existence fades into the background. This is one form of killing. We have a precept, do not kill. Do not kill beings. It can mean do not ignore all other beings. Continuously we ignore all other beings and just see the smallest part of the whole. Was it the valley sounds or the tide of awakening that jolted Dongpo? Well, in, in the next portion of this fascicle, there'll be some stories of people who were jolted awake by a single sound or the sight of a color or a form. So is that what jolts us awake? Or is it the tide of awakening the huge ocean of awakening that is always present. What is it that awakens us, the part or the whole? Or are they different? I suspect that Changzong's voice of insentient being speaking Dharma are resounding even now, still blended with the sounds of the night's stream. Who can fathom this water? Is it a bucket full? Or does it fill the whole ocean? Is your mind really this small, turbid, self-churning puddle? Or is, is it actually so huge as to be ungraspable, so clear it reflects everything without distortion, without self-distortion.
Is your mind so bright that it reveals the hidden source of all problems? When it's directed towards a problem, we see the source. Are you small or are you large? This is what Dogen Zenji is asking. Are you a part or are you the whole? Are you a dewdrop or are you the ocean? In the end, let me ask you, was it Dong Po who was awakened or the mountains and waters that were awakened? Who today sees with the clear eye the long, broad tongue and the unconditioned body of the Buddha? Next, there are stories of people's awakening, historical stories. In this translation, their Chinese names are used, but in other translations, the Japanese names are used. Zhang Yan, Xi Yuan, studied at the assembly of Guishan Ling Yu, Zen master Da Yuan, on Mount Gui. So this is Master Isan in Japanese. Guishan said, the Guishan means, it literally means Gui Mountain, Mount Gui. So the Zen master is always named for the mountain on which their monastery or temple sits. Well, that's a very interesting phenomenon. The Zen masters have many names throughout their practice. Their lay name, their ordained name. Then perhaps they get another name when they get transmitted. But when they finally have a monastery or a temple, then they take the name of the mountain. So they give up their people name and take on the mountain name. That's what Guishan is. It means literally Mount Gui. Mount Gui said, You are bright and knowledgeable. Say something about yourself before your parents were born, but don't use words you have learned from sutras and commentaries. So he's talking to Xianyuan in, in Japanese, Kyogen. Kyogen, that's easy for us to remember because of Kyogen at Dharmarain. Kyogen was a bright and very intelligent scholar who had collected a lot of books. In those days, there weren't that many books. So this was pretty remarkable to collect books, read them, and carry them around. Most people couldn't read, even. Kyogen tried and tried, but could not say anything. Could not say anything about his condition before he was, his parents were born, without using someone else's words. He poured through the books he had collected over the years, but could not come up with anything. Deeply ashamed, he took a torch and burned his books, saying, A painting of a rice cake does not satisfy hunger. I will be just a gruel-making monk, not expecting to understand Buddha Dharma in this lifetime. A gruel-making monk means one who supports the assembly by cooking rice, the equivalent of a kitchen assistant in our country. He followed this vow for many months and years. One day, Zhang Yan said to Guishan, 
though Kyogen said to Mount Kui, My mind is undifferentiated, I cannot speak. Can you speak for me, Master? Mount Gui said, I wouldn't mind explaining it to you, but if I did, you would resent me in the future. Sometime later, Kyogen went to the memorial site of Nanyang National Teacher Da Heng at Mount Wudang and built himself a hut. He planted some bamboo which served as his only companions. A very beautiful line. Hmm? Planted some bamboo which served as his only companions. Can we imagine having the grasses and trees as our only companions? Would our inner conversation be important then? One day, while he was sweeping the path, a pebble flew up and struck a bamboo. At the unexpected sound, Kyogen had thorough awakening. After bathing and cleansing himself, he faced Mount Gui, which is where his master is, offered incense, prostrated himself, and said, Master, if you had spoken for me at that time, this could not have happened. Your kindness is deeper than my parents. Then he wrote a poem. One stroke dissolves knowledge, struggle no longer needed. I will follow the ancient path, not lapsing into quietude. Noble conduct beyond sound and form, no trace anywhere. Those who have mastered the way may call this an unsurpassable activity. Eventually he presented this poem to Guishan, who said, This fellow has gone through. So that's the first story of someone enlightened by sound. How many books are there in our library here at the monastery? How many new Dharma books come out in one day? How many new books are published in one day around the world? Hundreds. Even if you were able to read them all, Would that make you happy? If you could read and retain all the information in all of those books that came out, all the books from the past, even in ancient times, the the library in Alexandria had more books than any one person could read. If you could read them all, would that make you at ease with your life as it unfolds? As it unfolds, moment by moment? Even if you could read and understand and retain them all, would that make you unafraid of death? Would it benefit those around you? Many of you actually came to practice through books, through reading books, Three Pillars of Zen or Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, or Dogen Zenji, or even books like Surfing the Himalayas by Fake Masters and Zen Master Rama or seeing a movie like What the Bleep, which many scientists who were in the movie objected to because they said they were misquoted. So there are many examples of people reading books that were actually inaccurate in many ways, and still coming through those books to the practice. So it wasn't the book that did it. 
It wasn't the black lines on the white paper. It was something that reaches out and activates the memory of an ancient home. Your home before your parents, before your grandparents, before your great-great-grandparents were born. Where did you dwell before two vibrating cells joined and began to divide? When he was asked, Guishan didn't try to pretend that he knew. Or he didn't try to quote what some Zen master had said. He realized that he truly didn't know, and he just began over. He emptied his mind, and he simply served others. And his mind became more and more quiet. As he indicates when he speaks to Mount Gui, my mind is undifferentiated. I cannot speak. Can you speak for me, Master? So by beginning again and serving others by quieting the mind, he reaches an undifferentiated mind. But Guishan has asked him to speak, to answer the question. Who were you before your parents were born? Yogan says, I can't speak. So hopefully in the session we touch that place where the mind is so quiet, we don't want to speak. It's much more interesting to listen to listen to the long, broad tongue of the Buddha chanting the sutras. Much more interesting than to listen to our mind or speak what it's saying. This is the state Kyogen had reached. But his teacher wouldn't help him. His teacher wouldn't give voice to it. Because each person's experience has to be their own experience. No one else's words will satisfy Many times when people ask us a question, we won't answer. Because it will not help. It has to be your own experience, your own opening of the door. So then Kilgan went deep into the mountains and tended the grave of one of the ancestors. They lived very simply with bamboo as his companions. Just gathering wood, heating water, making simple meals, meditating, walking through the forest, and sweeping around the grave. And one day when he was sweeping and his mind was quiet and huge, the broom kicked up a rock and the rock hit some bamboo. Clonk! A beautiful hollow sound spoken by one of his companions and his mind opened. So then he bathed himself and offered incense and made prostrations in the direction of his master and wrote a poem. Many of our chants are these examples of these poems that spontaneously flow out when someone has an awakening experience One stroke dissolves knowledge. 
all the knowledge that he had gone. Struggle no longer needed. I will follow the ancient path. Not lapsing into quietude. So we refer to this often as going through the great death. The the death of the speaking self. Of the striving speaking self. When that is completely quiet and we slip out of the human mind and body and go through that doorway, then we spring back into life. Not lapsing into quietude. We can't stay in that state of quietude or else we're no help to the world. We have to come back down off of the mountain into the marketplace and work with the suffering of those even though we can see that it's needless suffering, still people need help. Noble conduct beyond sound and form, no trace anywhere. Those who have mastered the way may call this an unsurpassable activity. So Kyogen emptied his mind and simply served others. Then he went off into the forest where his mind became more and more quiet without human companions and faces to constantly stimulate our thought, our self-reflection, our self-consciousness. Then the mind can become very, very quiet. Until there were no words at all to answer Guishan's question. And yet he kept on sweeping, breathing, sitting, eating. At that point, very thin, very thin. All it takes is a tiny sound, or In the next example, seeing a form, seeing color and form. One spring day, Ling Yun, who would later become Zen master Qi Quin, who had been practicing for 30 years, walked into the mountains. While resting, he saw peach blossoms in full bloom in a distant village and was suddenly awakened. He wrote this poem, which he presented to Guishan. For 30 years, I have looked for a sword master, Many times leaves fell and new ones sprouted. One glimpse of peach blossoms. Now, no more doubts. Just this. Master Guishan said, One who enters with ripened causes will never go away. He approved Ling Yun in this way. Who does not enter with ripened causes? Who enters and then goes away? So Dogen Zenji says, everyone has ripened causes. No one who enters ever goes away. There's no place to go away to. We are all in the midst of it all the time. There is no entering and there is no leaving because it surrounds us, it permeates us. We're never separated from it from one moment. This awakening is not limited to Ling Yung. If mountain colors were not the unconditioned body, How could this awakening have occurred? This is how he inherited Dharma from Guishan. This body which is manifesting all the time in our body and in every body, in every form, 
when the mind is quiet, alert, peaceful, and aware, the veil between us and true reality becomes very thin. It takes only a single sound, only a color, a movement of a form to reveal what has been there for boundless eons. Dogen Zenji continues, Once a monk asked Chang Sha, Zen Master Jing Sen, how do you turn mountains, rivers, and the great earth into the self? Chang Sha said, how do you turn the self into mountains, rivers, and the great earth? Saying that the self returns to the self is not contradicted by saying that the self is mountains, rivers, and the great earth. Please continue to open yourself to the great earth, your faithful companion. Are you aware right now of the earth outside? The earth pressing against your body, underneath, and in the form of your clothing, this gift of fiber from the earth? Are you aware of the earth inside, the food you had for lunch? Now being digested, now turning into your own cells, are you aware that nothing separates the earth outside from the earth inside what you call you? What you call your body, which is made up of nothing but the earth. Slip out of this human skin, breathe with the wind, Sit like a mountain of earth. <laughs> 